Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. It's a big interview. I'm Graham. I'm aware that not all of the listeners are my age and therefore you might not have had the same enjoyment out of John Dal Thomason's career as, as I did. I always thought the Dane was an underrated player but one that I loved to watch. He had that brilliant sense of timing about when it burst into space. He was technically gifted in what he was able to do. That was a really good finisher. Another one who features in this series because... I liked watching. You'd pay a ticket to go and see a game where John Dal Thompson was playing. You'd, you'd turn the TV on. He finished second in the league with Villarreal. Historic. He helped Milan get to two Champions League finals, one of which they won. He won a European trophy. In fact, the last European trophy for Feyenoord or any uh, Dutch team. And... He did it in his home stadium with the winning goal. Not bad. So when we met him in Rotterdam, it was just after the first leg of the semi-final of the Europa Conference League between Feyenoord and Marseille. That features. So does breakneck journeys at too many kilometres per hour with Foppe de Haan. Bert van Marwijk, if you remember him as Holland's coach in the 2010 World Cup when they tried to boot Spain off the pitch... He was Yonda Thomason's coach at Feyenoord and it's remarkable how much freedom he left the Dane in order to choose when not just he pressed but when the whole team pressed. He was team leader. Then AC Milan. It was tough, tough competition for places at the Rossoneri but we talk about Ancelotti and how he managed that club's big egos at the time. Think about it, um, Shevchenko... Uh, Sedorf, Maldini, Billy Costa Corta, etc., etc. You could list on and on and on. Donda Thompson's very good about Ancelotti. Make your own mind up about what you think Thomason thinks about Pippo Inzaghi. Does he put the boot in? No. Does he leave it clear how much of a f- he gives about what Inzaghi and he thought of one another? Yes, he does make that clear. Look. There's stuff about Billy Costa Curta, there's stuff about Maldini, there's stuff about uh, Pirlo. This is John Dal Thomason on the big interview, part one. See you soon. The big interview listeners, it's unfortunately very rare that we sit in an interview room where our roof-to-floor window is dwarfed by a massive ship. 
But that's exactly what's happening today. And in the shadow of the area in the docks at Rotterdam, we have the massive pleasure and privilege of sitting opposite and speaking to Jun Dahl Thomason. And as a first attempt... Perfect. John. Perfect. Jun uh, is excellent, that's the first name. Yeah. Dahl. Uh, Dale. Dale. Jun Dale. Jun Dale. Thomason. Thomason. You did well. I, I'm going to reach out now and you can humiliate me, humiliate me because I said we were going to start at <laughs> the coop. But I'm going to try one more thing because I tried it with a Danish guy a couple nights ago and it worked. So if I say to you, I'm impressed. Oh, baby, that's I'm it. I'm impressed. Okay. I, and, and thanks for listening. The interview um, finishes there. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah, because in 1982, I was taught that by some new Danish friends. There's a typical Danish sentence, every phone you need to try it. Yeah. And you did well. Yeah, it's, it's okay. No, no, it's a, good. A it's six really out good. of ten. Joking aside, uh, we're with a, a footballer that... A manager, a talented coach, but a footballer who I, I admired and I loved watching. You know, you, you made football elegant and intelligent and to watch you was good. And I told you off tape, but I, I still compare you um, in, in my understanding of space and, and movement and, and peripheral vision. I compare to Yari Lippmann in, in these days. I see similarities with Griezmann and with Benzema. Maybe they watched you when they were young. Maybe they copied you. <laughs> But one thing I want to pick up on, uh, John, is last night you were in the Cup. Yeah, watching the, that beautiful game. The Fener game, which was absolutely, was beautiful. Full stadium, noisy. Noisy, semi-final Conference League. Final haven't been there for years, so it's a huge game. Great atmosphere and a the, great game. The, the, Two teams who wanted to play football as well, attacking-minded football. Something which you need to do for the fans as well. The guy I want to remind you of is yeah. a guy, I'm gonna, he's a Belgian guy. Maybe going to get his first name wrong, but it's Kirill or Cyril Dessers. Mm-hmm. Now, for those um, who are listening to this, because he's going to go out in about maybe 10, 12 days. Yeah. Maybe they'll have seen the second leg. Maybe by then, Feyenoord's in its first big final since, since you won. the. Dessers at halftime, like 2-2, goes like, bollocks, there's the ball, I'm chasing it. Now, there's very little tactical preparation you can do for that apart from saying yeah press the ball press the opponents you've got to have the mentality of kind of like a, a dog chasing a tennis ball because this is just sets off now Marseille have four or five players passing the ball and there's no way he should get anywhere near it but he does he chases it down the last pass is short Mandanda can't get there Dessa scores and it turns out to be the winning goal it reminded me of of the Europa League final that you guys won. And I think it might even have been in the same end because to open the scoring against Dortmund, our guest today, you, you run the ball, you, you try one of your flicks. I think that uh, Rosicki has anticipated, gets in the way, and suddenly Dortmund kind of have the ball. But you chase, you, you do a Dessers, or, or Dessers does a Thomason, and you chase and chase and chase, and in the end... It, it leads to a red card. It leads to the penalty. And yeah, it true. Talk about that that choice making when when you when you think that ball's worth chasing. This this rival might might flop. Is it just? Do you recognise the comparison? One. Yeah, for sure. If, you, you're totally right. I, I remember. It. I remember that. It's twenty years ago, but I still remember it. Uh, no, no. I received the ball uh, more or less on the midfield. Uh, wanted to play to the to the left hand side. I made an awful awful ball. Big mistake. But then suddenly I, I went chasing. I went chasing one man to another one. And at the end, the ball came to, to Jürgen Kohler, a German, a German player, Weltmeister, uh, won the World Cup with Germany. His last game for Dortmund at that time. What No, I didn't know that. Uh, last game. And he made the penalty. Red card. He was out. That was his last game. And we got the penalty at that time. So, yeah. It was, it was a bit like, not like yesterday, but I understand the... Because in, in, in those days, Curler was like one of the man markers. He, it, okay, last game, maybe age was catching, maybe pace was but catching. But he was a big player. He well. was an extraordinary marker of yeah, people. Yeah. He, could, he could literally probably make one man of the opposition out of the game and take half another guy as well. And, and he was like a limpet in behind you all the time. And, and therefore, you know, when he goes off, it's not just a penalty the, 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 or a 10 minute. That's the most important thing in the game, actually, what happened that time. The ten, playing that 10 against 11, red card, 
getting a penalty, scoring from off the penalty, one nil, one nil threat. Take, take me back and talk about the, because we're going to be speaking to you today about your abilities as a coach, your future, what you've done so far as a coach. But I, I want to extrapolate, you know, from what you were as a player, how you've changed, what you've learned, how your experiences feed into being a manager today. Also, for those in our podcast who remember you as a player, I want them to have the fun of, of listening <laughs> to you describe it. When you are when you are Feyenoord and, and you're going to have the final in Rotterdam, do you remember, was there an overbearing pressure about we have to get there? Because in many occasions, clubs where they host, say, Champions League final, they haven't got there. Mm. And sometimes it can be a distraction because it's like, not just game by game, it's like the final's in our stadium, the final's in our stadium, imagine lifting the trophy in front of blah, 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 blah. That, that season... That I think you knocked out Rangers. You certainly knocked out Inter, and you scored what turned out to be a truly crucial goal to make it three 0 on the on aggregate. What was the pressure like for you, for Van Marwijk, for Van Hooydonk, another big player in this inside? What was the pressure in the city like? At this city, love football. Rotterdam is really a football city. It's all about football. The fans are extremely passionate about the game, and and. And that year, that was an incredible year. We, we played some great football. We had, a, we had a team, really a fighting team as well. So the combination with talent players, with fights, with cleverness, it was an extremely good team. And, and, and I can remember that semi-final against Inter, winning away uh, in one, Milano. 1-0. One 1-0, one nil, playing at home with all the big stars. Of course, Inter at that time, one of the biggest teams in the world, uh, playing, drawing 2-2 here at home going to the final, the final should be played in the Cup. So you're playing the final in your own stadium. It's, uh, it's a bit of a fairy tale. And actually, it was my last game before I went to Milan. So there was a bit of a, of a dream for a young boy, playing the last game in front of your own crowd and then going away to Italy afterwards, which was the biggest team at that time in the world. What, what did Van Marwijk want from you as a group? What, what, what were his coaching principles how did he instruct you? Not necessarily for individual games, or if you remember how he changed for an individual game, great. But what was the playing idea under Bert van Marek? We had a, we had a, actually a very mature uh, mature team, uh, people who, who like to take charts. Bosveld, Bosveld. You had Van Hooyden, you had me, Case van Wonder. You had to, you had really players who who thinks about football, who have an idea about football, who want to make decisions. So he was really good in managing that that uh, you have those guys, okay, we have a game plan, and if something just changes a bit, you have players on the pitch which can change it as well. So he, he devolved some responsibility for and sure, intelligence sure. onto the pitch. For sure. You could take decisions in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for example? For example, I was, uh, I was the guy who always was doing the pressure. I was going high, I was going low. I decided that. So players in the pitch had different uh, tasks at that time, and uh, I think that worked really well. And actually, you see that today, uh, a, lot of, a lot of those players actually become coaches or sport directors at club afterwards and doing well. Which type of players? Yeah, those, those players, thinking players, you know, who, who are able uh, to make decisions, who want to make decisions, want to take the responsibility. And, and you see that today as well. Where, where did that come from in you? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I think I think I went away from from Denmark when I was eighteen. Mm. Then 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 you need to grow up. And you need to to make decision. You will go away to the to another country. Suddenly you need to pay bills. You need to find a house. Uh, yeah, like that. You need to cook. Yeah, it, it sounds you, easy, very easy, and you need to learn a new language. But you get really matured in a, in no time because it's not easy. In it's fact. not easy. It's, of course, it's a lonely lonely ride. Uh, and you have to survive uh, because you, you're passionate about football. This will be something, this will be a subject that you're going to encounter again and again as a successful coach manager. But um, now most players don't have that because they have an agent or an agency who does all that shit for them. And I know countless stories of players who couldn't open a can of beans who have piles of bills in, uh, in the uh, house if their agent d- doesn't do it so you, you didn't you didn't have that relationship or you didn't choose to be looked after at Heron Vane or why was it that you were thrown on your own resources no I think I grew up with, uh, with parents who, who, who gave me the responsibility at a, a quite early age uh, you, need to, you need to make a decision yourself young. and, and uh, okay we will back you 
maybe make a wrong decision, no problem at all. We'll back you anytime. And I think that's that's an extremely important to to yeah, when you when you become older, as a, as a human being, you you need to develop the whole time. You need to become better. It's like football. It's a long life education, actually. Mm-hmm. Who are they? <laughs> my my mother had passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, my but, condolences. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, people who were working, working hard, and, and and not involved in sport, not in sport at all. No. And the, but their perspectives yeah. from the start with you were to make you independent and exactly. and intelligent about decisions, making decisions yourself. Education like that, I think that's extremely important, especially in the society we are living in now. It's not about only football players, but a human being. Yeah, you need to you need to make your own decision, and and you need to do it fast because the world is going so quickly, and you need to make the right decision most of the time. But at the end of the day, you make a lot of mistakes as well, and you will learn from those mistakes. Hmm. That, that might not, not have been how you felt aged 18 No, I don't think so as well <laughs> Because mistakes seem fearful at a younger age Yeah, but I, I came to a, to, a, to a great club A great club with, with, with uh, for youngsters in Holland uh, Not a lot of foreigners So I needed to learn the language as well That's good uh, We were only two foreigners at that time uh, Okay, you don't have it anymore Now you have 20 in, the, in a group, more or less in the selection But uh, And I had a very good manager Extremely well he educated me on the pits. Uh, he took me on scouting trips. There yeah. was there was a yeah that was very special, you know. And 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 in a way, I built it was actually clever. He built a relationship with me. We were sitting there, going with him in the car, going to to scout players, to scout teams, uh, so I could learn about the Dutch league, but also just to make a connection with me. So this is Fop. Foppe de Haan. Foppe de Haan. A bit of a legend in Holland. Foppe de Haan being a legend in Holland doesn't mean that he's he's that well known in the... There's a wide number of countries listening right now describe him because his idea about taking you under his wing to teach you and show you seems to me to be, one, unusual, and two, fundamental for how you adapt and change. Tell us about him. And tell us about old how dangerous it was to drive with him. <laughs> you know the story as well. <laughs> no, you, you need to tell it. It's not my story. All right, all right. No, he was a, he was a old uh, gym teacher, actually, school teacher. Uh, and then he, hadn't, he didn't play. He hadn't played football himself. Wow. Uh, but as I said, yeah, he took me on those trips. He was driving. I was sitting next to him. And he was talking, talking and talking, building relationship. And still, he was sometimes looking a little bit too much on me instead of the road. So it was quite <laughs> dangerous, especially with that speed. Because he drew quite fast, so I was sitting like this, oh, <laughs> easy now, easy now. And it was the manager, of course. So but I you was, didn't dare turn around and say, look at the road. No, I couldn't do that. I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was like, sitting like that, oh, shit, come on, come on, Fabio, look at the road. <laughs> but uh, but I, he built a relationship with me, and still, we still have contact today, and he's, he's, he's almost 80. Why you? Um, first of all, it was, I was the only foreigner, more or less, in the group. A young boy as well. Moving away from the, from from the country, yeah, I think he took uh, he thought yeah, it's also a bit of a responsibility, and he wanted to to educate me about the football as well. And at the end of the day, he wanted a good player. The benefits come to him of and course, the team in the end. End of the day, and uh, and uh, to build those relationships is, is is extremely important. I did that as well with the with the Malmö players, all the youngsters. Uh, I didn't drive like hell with them, but uh, <laughs> no, put them out of the comfort zone, getting used to, to 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 cope with different things. They were making presentation for the staff, analyzing games for me, and suddenly, oh, you need to to presentate it for the for the for the older players. So uh, those young players, they. Yeah, they were also developing the, and they're getting a bit out of the comfort zone and suddenly it's a normal day at the office. They're used to doing things because they've been trying it before and, and they can cope with it. I want to link you to something. When I went to the Aspire Academy to interview Johan Cruyff, sadly, about six, seven months before he died, uh, one of the fellow speakers was Tuchel and Tuchel was then at Dortmund. And he said, you know, I, I made my reputation, I got my job because of my youth work at Mainz and then his senior work at Mainz. But he said, when I coached the young person at Mainz, I gave them everything. Sorry, every listener who's heard this anecdote before, but Jan hasn't. Um, he said, I, 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 demand, I made you know, to the club, give them the best coach, uh, drive uh, bus, give them the best conditions. They need to stay in the same hotel as the first team. They need, we need to treat them like... And he said, now... If I could take all that back, I'd tell him the coach broke down. I'd turn off the air conditioning in the dressing room. I'd tell him to wash their own strips. And he was like, we're turning out robots who don't have solutions, who don't have the mm. mechanisms to cope. 
So go into detail then, because it seems to me that you were explaining there things that at Malmo that you did. Like, for example, what did you mean about saying that the young players had to present? Just structure, what that was as it grew, what they had to do and what they felt like. In the beginning, of course, uh, they did it as a group. All the youngsters need to, to make presentation of our games or come with solutions, football solutions, uh, and presentate it to the staff. That was the first move, and all those youngsters said, yeah, of course, they're a bit nervous. They're not used to doing that. And, and that is, in the end of the day, you, you, you need those boys to think, because if they think about football, they become better football players, and you will benefit from that in the end. So, but during a, a, a month, yeah, it's getting better and better. They were getting used to it, make a presentation. They solve football problems in a different way, and, and I think it's very important to get those boys out of comfort zone. You need to demand every, every day, and you need to demand the maximum. That they think, that they communicate. Work effort. That, that they take Work cognizance of the fact that it's not just me. There, there's, so what problems were they set? Or did they have to find their own problems to solve? When you said that the presentation was about solving football problems, would you give them a specific problem? Or would you just say, look, next week it's Hammerby. Give me a presentation on how to beat them, Matt. How did you handle that? Actually, both things. Those, those for next upcoming game, okay, how can we win against this team? I need a solution and we need it quick. Sometimes I said, okay, you're coming in early today or you're staying and we're doing this tonight. Just, oh shit, I'm doing it tonight. Why are we doing that? And suddenly, yeah, it could also be in a way, uh, I will come tonight visiting you. Uh, I'm looking forward to for a good meal. Then we can have a chat about football. Then you went home to them. A way of connecting, but also to develop them, because at the end of the day, you want, the, you want them to become better players. And of course, also as a, as a person, you want them to grow. If they're growing quicker, yeah, do you, then we will be playing better as well. You see, you're selling, you know, you're selling a glass of cold beer to a man in the desert here. I believe in what you're saying. And it's one of the reasons that I often felt that in my youth, I'm older than you, continental football was better than British football because British football was very aggressive, very competitive, and, and from spells, very successful. But it was like, follow the, follow the manager. It wasn't the coach then, it was the manager. And the manager was like a sergeant major in the army. You did what you were told. So like our football structure for years until maybe... I'd say 20 years ago, in Britain, the football structure was like the army. So we made good soldiers. It was horrible to go to battle with us. Quite often we won. It's a good quality as well, eh? It is a good quality, but very often when um, a continental team unpicked a British team in Europe, you're like, where did they come up with those solutions? Look how quickly they think and move. So imagine a combination of those two things. That soldier thing, just going with each other. Like, you recognise uh, the soldier thing, and you only sure. spent a year in Britain, but you understand what I what I mean. Yeah, I watch a lot of games in Britain as well, and uh, and you know, yeah, it's so tough to buy. And also, if you look at the, some young teams as well, they're always going one hundred percent. You can say here in Holland, yeah, people will always ask why to uh, to each question, why, why, why. You always need to 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 be in communication with the players. So it's not then. It's then, not like the sergeant in, in in Holland, not at all. Hierarchy. You just just because I say so, not good enough, right? No, no, no. You need to. You, of course, you need to. Yeah, the, the players need to, to buy into your, your, your principles, the way of playing football. It's 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 all. Yeah, you need to sell it as well, of course. You have to convince. I think you need to convince as well, of course. At the end of the day, if players are believing in, in what the manager wants, yeah, they will do it better on the pitch as well. If they think, oh, no, that's a wrong choice, uh, then, we'll be, then they will be doing things for 90%. You, you, you get 90%. Yeah. And, then and you won't win anything. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. They'll say, see, I was right. You're like, you didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Or you didn't do it right. Exactly. And you need to win games. As a manager, you need to win games. You play football for the fans. You need to, you need to entertain the fans need to show the passion as well. Well, I'm not comparing you directly to Peter Schmeichel because there's very few people um, that are exactly like, like Peter's crazy makeup. <laughs> but I remember sitting in Copenhagen one afternoon in a big, big loft of a hotel, maybe one of the best interviews I've ever listened to because he is, you know, he's interesting and he's articulate and he's bright as well as being quite a strong personality. And he talked about one of the things that had made him, which was the, the Danish education system, where he talked about it's promoted that you should be articulate, that you should question. There's a lot of presentation, there's a lot of speaking. You're formed as an articulate adult, younger. 
it's quite a liberal education system. You maybe don't start as early in Britain. And he said, these components, and he didn't say made me, he said, make us blah, 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 like we are. So what is the, you know, in the things you've just been talking about, you know, a Dutch player will say, why you are as a coach and demanding, what has the Danish education system made you? Is, is, is being Danish or your Danish upbringing a part of, you know, what's made you successful as a coach and a player? I first of all, have the biggest Danish heart. Huh? I'm still red and white. But I've been abroad for years, of course, so I'm also quite international. But I, I, what, what Peter said, uh, I know Peter as well, of course, this typical Danish, but it's also Dutch with the system. You know, the, you're brought up to have an opinion about everything, questioning everything. Uh, you, you're brought up to, to think yourself, and I think you need that to make solution. And life, you need, to, you need solution. But that is how you were taught at school? As well, yeah. And it's also how they're taught in Holland. Yeah. And I'm living in Holland as well, so at the yeah. moment, yeah. So I don't know how to pronounce it, but you, you broke through at Kurga? Kurga, yeah. Great. I'm You're three, good at those things. I'm three for three, baby. <laughs> it's not hugely difficult, but at least I had a try at it. But at, at Kurga and, and then at Herrenfein with Foppa, were you already that why coach player? Were, were you immediately a... Yeah, but... I played when it, with Kirk when I was a youngster. I was 15 when I played with the first team. I got my first game. So actually, I think the oldest he was 35. Probably it could be my father, actually. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then you get mature as well. So yeah, I was quite like that. Why or why? Because I always wanted a question. I was also demanding at that time, actually. I was very, yeah, I did always 100%, always. But I was also demanding for, for the surrounding. Okay, I do 100%. You need to do 100% as well. And otherwise, otherwise we will not succeed. So I was very ambitious and very like that. Driven. Yeah. Still sure. now, eh? For sure. The evidence of the couple seasons winning at Malmo show a guy who doesn't like losing at all. <laughs> Losing's not fine, eh? No. You're getting used to winning and is quite addicted to you to win. Before the rest of this big interview... I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we leave uh, Dekaip and, um, you know, you, you, you leave them with a trophy, how were the celebrations? How drunk did everybody get? Was it crazy? It was actually, you know, there was not, there was not the biggest celebration in the city because uh, there was a Dutch political, he was shot dead. 
That was at the same time. Yeah, Pim for Tyne. He was yeah. shot dead in a, I think it was a week before that. So it was like that. Should should we play the game or not? Oh Italy. man! But of course, in the end of the day, the boys and the wives, we had a we had a good party. But in in the country, there was a real black shroud over people. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a culturally and socially <clears throat> shocking event, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a shocking event. So it was really, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's, yeah, something, something happened like that. Everybody's in shock. And it was right to play the game. At the time, we were we were we were we were talking with each other. Should we play it? Should we play it? And at the end of the day, we make the decision. What did you think? I think it was right. I think it was right. Yeah. For Marwick, if 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 you had to pinpoint specific things that you t- because every coach who was a player who gets asked this question says the same thing, <laughs> and it pisses me off. We take a little bit from everybody. I know it's true, but it's actually true, isn't I it? I know it's true, but I want detail. <clears throat> so, for Marwick, good or bad, I don't care. What did you take from being his his pupil? I had a really good relationship with with Bert uh, for Marwick. Uh, Great, great manager. Been around as well, huh? uh, different clubs, also Holland uh, as a national coach. So, yeah, I was more or less a chance for, for, for the pressure, which I said before. I decided, okay, I'm going high, I'm not in the pit. So that means that I had a good conversation with him regarding, okay, what is, what is the right moment to, to, to make pressure, to make a high pressure. Uh, or I was standing low in a block. So I decided that, but... Uh, when you're able to decide that, you also need to speak with a manager. So I had a really good relationship. So that communication with a player and a manager, I took with me. But you, I mean, I, I was going to move on, but you've, you've intrigued me now because it's the second time we've talked about the press. But you, pressing isn't an individual art. So you took the decision about when to press high, low, maybe who to press. But that required, I guess, Kalau or Van Hooydonk or certainly the midfielders if you want, because sometimes you're in a press... the rest of the team follow, yeah. So, so in other words, you, you, you were setting uh, tactics in given moments or spells of the game for four or five players if a press is done properly. No, actually, you, you go with the whole team. Right? You defend and attack with the whole team. We did that at that time as well. So you were genuinely press team leader? Yeah, you could say that in a way. Sounds good, huh? Yeah, but it also sounds true. It's just a different way of expressing what you told me because yeah. that's a huge responsibility. Normally, with a press, normally it's either because you know specific things about your opponent's weaknesses and you might play a press sometimes, depending on where on the pitch, but normally with a press, it's a, it's, a, it's a team tactic set by the manager and it should be consistent all the time and the manager should beat the drum. But to have it on the pitch, to have the responsibility devolved to you on the pitch... Is an, is an interesting notion. But, but in the end of the day, you know, you play teams who make different things, so you need to make quick decisions on the pitch. There's no time at the sideline. If we, yeah, you can, you, can, you can make a game plan and suddenly the team change, so you need to be flexible. Modern football is flexible at all times, so, uh, so it's also about reading the game, having the vision and, and seeing where the options is in the game itself. You've made me think, though, because, you know, we, we're talking about an era, that era, not your whole career, 20 years ago. I would imagine there was less video analysis, less detail in the preparation. You're totally and therefore, right. <laughs> more deciding on the pitch because you knew a lot about the opposition. But now they know their inside leg measurements, how big their ears are, everything. Even the name of the wife. Huh? Exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. And maybe the missus. Who she's fooling around with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now, maybe my concept is that it might be more unusual to, for a coach to hand uh, Yundal Thomason the responsibility on the pitch because it, everything is so predetermined. Like, particularly coaches <laughs> like uh, Guardiola, Unai Emery, Benitez, Lopetegui, Tulosomian, who are like everything detail, 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 detail. A detail, you're winning with details. Details win your games. So you need to, you need to be well prepared. And of course, you're totally right. What a difference, huh? In those 20 years, everything had been, everything changing. Yeah, and now you have, you have, you have solution for everything, and, and, and you're well prepared in a totally different way. At that time, yeah, at that time there was no video at all. A little bit. But not as much. No, not. So you knew a lot less about your opponents until, until the moment. Yeah, of course. And now it's a, it's a detail world where detail win, uh, win games for you. But does it extinguish some of the things you've just been talking about that you did well on the pitch? Oh, I think, I think you, you were learning. I think things, uh, this world is going quicker and quicker in everything. So 
all the things you were learning as a football player now is, is just you need to cope with it. You need to cope with the information. And the players who are able about coping, coping with those information are the best player in the world. Best player can make better decisions than, than, than less player. And more quickly. And more quickly. And that's important because the game is getting quicker and quicker. Then where I was about to go before we took an abandoned meander to um, pressing was... Um, you, you, you went to Milan and Milanello and San Siro and Rossoneri <clears throat> and you worked for a, a guy who's flying high right now. In fact, a lot of your, your teams are flying high right now. Feyenoord might make the Conference League final and Newcastle are suddenly halfway up the table. Uh, Rossoneri are going to win Serie A. Uh, Hopefully. Ancelotti. Um, one of the things he had as a coach that was really difficult, he says the most difficult, was having to manage upwards, to manage Berlusconi. He would come in and tell him this formation, this team. Carlos about to win the probably the, as we record this weekend against Espanyol, he probably win um, the title in Spain to make it all five big leagues in Europe. He's won at least once. He carries a reputation of being. I've often used the phrase myself, a player whisperer. You can get great players one-on-one and convince them and bring better performances out of them. And he's clearly a, a good manager. Sometimes people dispute whether he's super elite in terms of the actual coaching and, and analytics of a match. These are millimetre differences I'm talking about. I'm not being rude about him. <laughs> How much of this is describing the man that you worked for? Uh, first of all... Uh coping with those big egos in those big clubs the way he managed that they need to be clever they need to be very very smart because big players are not easy players they have the biggest egos in the world they only think me 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 how can I become the most important player and, and all those egos so Dida Sedorf Maldini Billy Costa Curta everybody Kaka, wants to be the important Pirlo, player but these are the players you were playing with yeah, at that time when I was in Milan, we, we, we had the best team in the world. Uh, I worked with it for three years and we played two Champions League finals in those three years. But uh, Carlo, coping with those players and getting all those players to go towards one direction, that's quite a challenge. Huge challenge. Huge challenge. Well, how would you say he managed it? What were the things he did? I mean, you, 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 had to, you had a very good comment that one against one on one, on one it was really good getting the players getting under the skin of a player and, and letting players perform. And you always see a very warm man, warm man. Yeah. but of course he had passion as well. His passion for football, he had a temper as well, but he's just controlling that. And uh, I, I, at that time I was very impressed how, how he coped with the press, how he coped with the boards. Berlusconi. Berlusconi, Galliani. Ooh, another uh, firm man. Yeah. All those, there's that's, that's, that's also a challenge, but, but the relationship I had with him was an excellent relationship, and, and there was especially, you know, the one against one, when we had chats about football, but, but also the feeling he gave you that you were important, and what is a good manager? A good manager win games, mm-hmm. in the end of the day. Of course, we need, to, we need to give something back to our fans, because that's the most important football is for fans, so we need to entertain fans. We need, that's my point of view. We need to play a dominant way of playing, Need to be attacking mind. Need to be dominant with and without the ball, uh, because we need to give something back. It's entertainment. We can't, we can't. We can't stand uh, park the bus the, the 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 whole ninety minutes. No, not at all. There's, That's not about football. There's a man who grew up with the Loudrop brothers. There's a man who grew up at the Cope. There, there's a man who's gifted with entertainment skills in his brain and his boots. I, I totally agree. I'm not going to ask you to be rude, but I have a firm <laughs> point of view here now. You, you, although he was injured for parts of it, you, you were playing alongside or on, in training every day and sometimes in matches, Pippin Zaghi. Pippin Zaghi is a rare beast, a rare beast. Very, very egotistical, very determined, clever. I mean, <clears throat> one of the cleverest penalty box strikers in our lifetimes, for sure. I remember I had a friend who's now in charge of, he's a football head at Rayuno. And he, he, in the old days, he was a reporter and he went to Nzagi and Nzagi said to him, after a match, but before the camera was rolling, that was my 250th goal for <laughs> Milan. Ask me about it. Well, people, 250 goals. 250, really? Have I scored 250? That's fantastic. 
Are you, uh, are you clever man? Uh, you clever man. I, I was in San Siro the day when, it was a magnificent day, when the, the entire Champions League that you won revolved around you. Because I actually were about to go through, I was with the manager of Stephen Pienaar, who's godfather to my All daughter. Right. We were sitting there and he was like, 2-2 oh, with no seconds left. And the ball goes through and, and Pippo Inzaghi gets there and, and, and lobs the keeper. Now, I guess you were going to tell me it was going well wide. Yeah, it was, I think it was good. So how far wide? A couple of metres. Two, two, at least two metres wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A- anybody who goes back and watches the YouTube is, is entitled to make up their own mind. And then you, 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 you tap the ball in. And it's, it's a goal. It's about goal scoring. It's about winning matches. It's about winning trophies. How pissed off was Inzaghi? He goes away and celebrates and, and claims the goal and all that. How pissed off was Inzaghi with you for, for putting that in? No idea. He was probably pissed. He was not happy with it, but no idea, to be honest. But I'm trying to get a picture of this guy who... The defenders hated him. Oh, he, was, he was, of course, a great player scoring goals. Very, very good in the box. Extremely good in the box. And, 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 and he was living for his goals. See, that, to me, is the picture I'm trying to draw. Because I'm not looking for polemic, but you are two utterly different mentalities... Both winning mentalities, but two completely different. Across your career, and, and I want to ask you about this, you scored so many goals for the national team and for all your club sides, and you could score a variety of goals. The, my favourites of the ones you scored are the ones where you're like sitting with your hands in your pocket in midfield going... <laughs> the high line comes up and you're like... <laughs> now, and Kalau releases, re- releases the ball and you're through one-on-one. Because that's timing, that's intelligence. I love those. And one-on-one with the keeper, they're, they're, some players do it, but few players finish like you one-on-one with the keeper. A little step over of the ball or a dip of the shoulder. You like to go round the keeper whenever you could sure. instead of finishing because there was a gap. Loved all that. Yeah. But Zaghi was could do some of those things, but he lived off scraps. And he saw scraps and he created scraps. And he didn't care if, if the ball went in off his arse. Such different players. So what was it like sharing Milanello and training games with him every day? Because you at Milan, your speed of reactions to the ball back off a goalkeeper save was identical to Inzaghi. You must have been stepping on his toes as far as he was concerned. I think you always have in big clubs, smaller clubs, you always have competition. And we needed, of course, that big squad to win games because we needed to win the league. We needed to win the cup. We needed to win the Champions League. So you need hell of a lot of players to perform and you can't play every game so Nsaki was of course one of a, one of a competition like Shevchenko Crespo Rivaldo Kaka Rui Costa so that's all the names so it's about when you were playing grabbing the chance performing scoring goals doing well for the team and win games so that was part of the job and of course, you have players you, you, you had a better relationship with than others. That's normal. You have that at the office as well. You don't have a chat with everyone at the office. And it's like that in football as well. Did you learn anything from watching him? I think, I think he was tremendous sharp in the box and tremendous in, in also timing his runs in behind. Uh, very, very clever. And uh, scoring all those goals is a, is, a, is a legend, huh? I think his quality was really high. Yeah. And because not so many of his goals were beautiful, <laughs> that those who spend the time describing sometimes make a mistake about winning and scoring and winning, which, which he kept on doing. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he got one of them or both of them in the, in the, second, semi, the second final against Liverpool. A couple I, I, of years I, I, after I, I, you left. I was away at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where Peel was shot and I think he hit him at the, at the back. Such an Inzaghi goal. But it's a brilliant goal. It counts, huh? No, I knew, I knew this would be your point of view for sure. Yeah. From whom around you at Milan did, did you learn most? I think if you look at the Maldini, Costa Curta, uh, Il Professor, Costa Curta. The, the, the Billy Costa Curta loved English football. He yeah. was, and Billy. And, 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 and extremely professional, all those players. Playing at that age and playing on that level... And coping with everything year after year, that's amazing. So learning about that, yeah, keep on, keep on going, being well prepared and, and, and doing the right things at the right moment. Uh, and of course, I enjoy playing with Pirlo as well. 
because of the, the way you can use the ball to you. Yeah, exactly. It was just you needed to to make make a make make the connection, run on the right time, and the ball would be there. Yeah. But when you talk about the, these guys' professionalism and doing the right thing, how much did that change in Yondal Thomason from from that age? Did, what did you know? You were a good pro. <clears throat> you lived well. You were always in good shape. What what things did seeing Maldini or Costa Corta tighten up in you? I, I don't oh, see I was, it. I was, I was just impressed huh, in the way, especially when you can perform at that age. It's, it's incredible. And there's a reason why they can perform at that age. It's, of course, how they're, how they're living, how they're coping with things. So I've also been like that, you know. I've always been, a, been ambitious, uh, hardworking as well. Uh, as a manager, I'm like that as well. Extreme ambition and, and driven uh, about the game. I think everybody in Sweden noticed that. Probably, I, I love the the fo- printed photo start of the penalty that was outside the box that you handed out at the press conference. I, oh, you've oh, seen yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Well, we we try to follow your career yeah, a little uh, bit uh, while uh, we're. Uh, yeah, I like I like I like guys who compete even when the final whistle has gone. I like yeah, that. Yeah. We have um, socios, guys who people who who listen and. And who support us um, throughout all our seven years of life, and we have sponsors. So if you'll, if you don't mind a change of tack, there's two good questions here sent in, much right. be- much better than mine. <laughs> I'm not so sure about Chris. That. Chris Hennigan. Now nah, Chris is good. All right. Chris Hennigan is one of our socios. He says Carlo Ancelotti has previously spoken in really glowing, praising terms about Danish players, particularly Jon. Is there something specific about how Danish players adapt so well to playing in Italy? He said, I'm thinking of Jon, I'm thinking about Michael Ladrop, Christian Poulsen, Prebenel Kjar, um, the newer generation like Simon Kjar, Damsgaard, Joachim Mahler. I suppose it's a straight question. I can I can hand it straight to you. I think I think when you're for a small a little country, a small country, Denmark, what, six million? Yeah. Uh, then you need to be flexible. You need to be open-minded. Danish people are open-minded. Uh, I've been in a lot of countries. If you need to, if you need to cope with the environment, you need to be open. You need to connect with people. Uh, otherwise, otherwise it would take ages. You want to perform. Um, so I think that mentality, when you're a smaller country going abroad, you need to be open. Uh, Danish people are quite well educated as well. I think that helps. Uh, the level of intelligence that helps as well. So maybe that's the reason. How much? How much? Just to supplement what Chris said. As as Scots, and I'm not putting my country down, but as Scots, we're very belligerent. We're very aggressive. But sometimes we imagine we're being put down, even when we're not. But we do like to hassle and push and shove. But there's a different way of doing that. And I'm asking whether Danes are like. Yeah, we're here, and we will prove that our little country don't look down on us. We will, you know, if you think you're big and we're small, we'll push right back at you. I feel that you're quite, a, as a sports people, you're quite robust mentally, and you want to go like, no, we're here, we're, we're good too. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest, about, about that, so if you compare the two countries. I can also say about Denmark, it's, it's, it's like that. Yeah, we're quite driven as well. Driven. Yeah, driven. We want to achieve something, and, 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 and those... Those people who goes abroad, yeah, they want to be successful. And when you when you when you have that mindset, things will become easier, and, and you will be open minded. And you need to connect with people. As I said before, you need you need help as well. You need to get the ball in the pitch. So you need to be part of the group when you go abroad. Ah, so if you're like quiet or scared, you're not going to get the. In the instant where somebody makes a decision to release the pass, it's not going to oh, be you. Then he will play the ball to and oh, he will shoot and go. Simple as that, eh? Simple as that, yeah. Our sponsors are Bet365, and they've been really behind us all the way and generous. And they've asked this question as we were talking about. You were part of famous Milan sides, the one which won the Champions League at Old Trafford in 2003, and the final against Liverpool um, in Istanbul. What was the hardest thing to play in such a brilliant side with Kaká, Shevchenko, Maldini? What was the hardest thing about playing in that side? I think for me personally, the hardest thing was that uh, that you were not playing every game. That was tough because we had we had a we had a big group of great great players, and there was only eleven who could play each time. I think I would think I played yeah, 
for sure starting 25 games minimum each season but that's not enough as a, as a, as a professional as a, as a sportsman you want to play every game you want to play every big games but in a, in a club like that yeah, and at that time yeah, you were not playing every game I think that was the toughest I think uh, in the end of the day uh, all the players were going one direction we were always and there was Carlos of course it was Carlos really did what he really did well one direction and that's quite that's quite unique because it's not that easy to get all of the group to go towards the same spot we want the same we want to achieve the same we want to do it together uh, but the hardest was for sure that not playing every game are there little things um, because I know that being a coach being a manager now you, you don't stop each day and go I'll take this bit from that manager <laughs> it, you hate it's, that you it's, just told me no but, it's, <laughs> no, but also it's, it's, I know these things are in you now yeah. so I mean you don't have a big filing system like today I will take the lesson from uh, Kenny Douglas but are there things if you stop now I think what I'm saying if you stop and look back are there things that you have incorporated in the way you work specifics that you take from Ancelotti the connection with people as well, uh, and, and of course, what I did by Malmo, yeah, I was using the whole squad. I was using the whole squad. A little bit what, uh, what he also did. Uh, in, in Sweden, of course, when you're playing on two fronts, it's very complex. Uh, playing, on two, two, playing in Europe, playing in Sweden, uh, with, with a team, not with the biggest budget. It's quite tough, but using the whole team, everybody needs to have the feeling to being a part of something, mm-hmm. because uh, you need you need each player, and each player needs to, to to put an effort. So using the whole team, I did those two years, man, and was uh, I think it was quite successful using the team. Thank you. For listening to The Big Interview, it's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.